Welcome to The Hoop Commitment. I'm your host, Mike Nielsen. Join me every week to get inside the greatest minds in basketball nutrition, training, and leadership to elevate your game and improve the way you eat, train, and lead. Welcome to episode three. Now today we're going to be talking about the eat portion of Eat, Train, Lead, which is really basketball nutrition. And today we have a really special guest on, one of my good friends, Brad Dieter. And I'm going to read his bio here, and as you're going to be able to tell, he's really into education. The guy is an exercise physiologist, molecular biologist, biostatistician, scientist, and entrepreneur whose goal is to bring science and industry together to improve human health and optimize human performance. Now, like I mentioned, that's a mouthful, but I wanted to make sure you know we have a legit sports scientist nutritionist here today to talk about basketball nutrition. So let's get this podcast going. So Brad, welcome. Uh, This is awesome, man. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. You know, we've been friends for a long time, way before you were Dr. Dieter. Yeah, it was, uh, man, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, 10 years ago. And so now we're sitting here, and I get to interview as a peer, as a friend, and as someone that does high-level nutrition. So tell me a little bit about your nutrition story. Yeah, so my story, uh, it actually started just down the hall here, right, at a at Gonzaga uh, as an intern in the strength conditioning program and I was kind of at that point in my early 20s you know I wasn't really quite sure what I wanted to do with my life and was uh, ready to go back to graduate school Um, and a lot of the work that I did here kind of really motivated me and got me interested in you know kind of human metabolism and nutrition and how it relates to health Uh, so then when I left and went and did my my graduate work I actually did a lot of my studies were in um, kind of basically how nutrition and exercise one, fuel the body, two, prevent disease, and three, maximize human performance. Um, And so after graduate school, I went on and um, kind of founded a couple companies around that that area and have been able to work with, uh, you know, I've been very blessed and fortunate, been able to work here at Gonzaga with uh, the men's basketball team over the last few years. Um, I've worked with a lot of the kind of special operations community, Um, a lot of those guys who go overseas and kind of the really crazy environments yeah. um, and who have the big workloads and then also just normal everyday people. So I've been, I've been pretty fortunate uh, to be put in a lot of those positions and actually a lot of it started here. Oh, I love it. It's coming full circle. Yeah, it is. So tell me how you see basketball nutrition. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the interesting things about basketball nutrition is, and this kind of applies to a lot of areas, especially in the sports world, is it is a much different approach than kind of what we typically read out in the normal everyday nutrition stuff, right? Of kind of what you see in TV, in, in dieting books, um, and, and a lot of these things, those are geared towards a much different problem uh, than what you know, basically hoops nutrition is, right? And I kind of think about it as when you are trying to maximize your performance from a basketball perspective, there, there's kind of a few things. One is you think about the day-to-day piece, right? Of what does it take your body to run when you're playing basketball versus when you're out in the normal world, right? The energy requirements are way different. So how much food you need is completely different, right? Just day-to-day um, to maintain it. It's kind of like if you were to go on a road trip, you know, if you go on a 10-mile road trip, you need gas for 10 miles. If you're going on a 200-mile road trip, you better make sure you put 200 miles worth of gas in your car. You're just not going to get there. Uh, so that's kind of the day-to-day stuff. And then the other piece is 
you know, are you giving your body the food to adapt over time, right? It's kind of like you think about your basketball game is when you're, when you're in sixth or seventh grade, what are the things you're working on and what are you trying to ultimately accomplish um, skills-wise? And then your body is going to change over those times too. And so are you giving your body the nutrition it needs to adapt today, tomorrow, the next month, the next year, the next decade? Uh, and so those are kind of a lot different than what we think about in normal everyday nutrition where it's really just about kind of health and well-being. And then you have this added component, which is we know the energy demands uh, the physiological demands of the sport of basketball. We know that if you play at the college level, you have games are 40 minutes, you know when the timeouts are going to be, you know uh, what energy systems you're using. But then even within the game of basketball, you have people that want to gain weight mm-hmm. or lose weight or maintain their body composition and just have higher energy levels. And so I know that's kind of a, a large question of how you see basketball nutrition. But as you work with some of your college basketball players, what are some of the common issues that you see or some of the, the common themes of that people want to improve upon? Yeah, you know, I think I think one of the, the, the big areas that a lot of guys, you know, whether it's high school or college basketball is the, the biggest piece is the consistency piece uh, and just developing those habits every day. And I think a lot of times people try to key in on the specifics before they kind of develop that baseline. Um, and so that's probably the biggest thing is are you getting enough food in every single day uh, over weeks, months, and seasons? That's, that's probably the biggest thing I see. Uh, you know, a lot of people will be really on top of it for a day or two, but then over the span of a couple weeks, their kind of habits just start breaking down. They, can, they realize they can get away with a little bit less today and then a little bit less tomorrow, and then all of a sudden in a couple weeks, they're kind of back to baseline. Uh, so that's the first piece. The second piece is I just don't think there's a lot of kind of relatedness. They just don't understand how important it is for their basketball performance, you know, today and then long term. Um, so I think those those are the two biggest pieces, and I think those go hand in hand, right? Is if you don't understand why it's important, you know, why would you really put a lot of effort into it? So I think that's probably kind of baseline one of the biggest things that we see that that kids struggle with. Well, looking back in my high school career, I was the worst eater ever. Yeah. And this is embarrassing <laughs> because now I'm a sports nutritionist as well. And I think back and my mom gave me $2 a day for lunch. Yeah. Which I pocketed every day because I played basketball at lunch. Yeah. And so I literally didn't eat lunch at all. Yep. And then I always uh, tell people that I was allergic to green when I was in high school. Yep. I literally never had a salad until I got to Gonzaga University. Yeah. And I have this great trainer named Steve DeLong. And he was kind of like uh, the, the trainer in Rocky, just kind of this gruff guy that was like, he made me eat salad. Yep. And it was amazing how by the end of my career, I actually kind of enjoyed doing it. But how do you reach a person like me, which was, hey, I'm a Division One athlete, and I don't eat vegetables, and I don't eat lunch, and look, at I'm, I'm performing well. You know, how do you kind of reach me and, and get me to kind of see the light? Yeah, you know, and we were having that conversation here the other day, um, you know, just as we try to build a program here of, of how do we accomplish that? And, you know, I think one of the best ways to do that is try to help relate your current habits to your long-term success. Uh, And I think a lot of times it just requires some sort of, you know, validity from somebody who's been there, who's walked that path, right? Now, if if you're in high school and your mom tells you, Mike, you got to quit pocketing your two bucks and actually buy some lunch versus... 
you know, like who was your, who did you idolize in high school as a basketball player? Oh, Michael Jordan, easy. Yeah. yeah. So imagine if he were to come to you and say, Mike, I know you like hooping at lunch, but you got to make sure you take a snack with you. Because I realized that me being fed and me being fueled allowed me to perform so I could become who I was, right? How much more would that impact you than anybody else impacting you? It's amazing. I, I don't know exactly who told me this, but at some point someone told me that if I wanted to be a college basketball player, I couldn't drink soda pop. Yeah. And so I never drink soda ever again. Yep. It was amazing how those things do kind of stick. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of, a lot of it is, is how do you just put that importance into somebody? And I think a lot of it comes from whether it's a role model um, or whether it's a coach who can really connect with somebody and kind of instill that importance, right? Is and it's funny how a lot of times people will just flip a switch once they realize it's important. Uh, and so I think that's, that's a big piece is when you're young, how do you find and model after somebody who's been there? And I think, you know, we've had a lot of guys come through Gonzaga specifically who, who've made it to the NBA and who've had great careers. And a lot of them come back and will say, you know, now that I'm a professional athlete, I really start to see how important that is, right? Especially as... You know, when you're in high school and, and you're playing, you know, 20 games a year you and you're, you know, 16 years old, you don't really think about it. But when you're an adult and you're playing a lot and you start to realize the workload and all that stuff and how much it actually does impact you, uh, that's a big thing. I think the other thing is you probably didn't realize how much it impacted you until you started making those decisions, right? When you actually showed up to games fed, you know, the next day you weren't as sore. I think a lot of people just don't ever test it to see it. Yeah, you know, when I came to school, I was about 185 pounds, and I played at 215 pounds. And you don't get that from working out in the weight room. You get no. that through nutrition. And yeah. that was a big thing, is I did lift weights in high school, but my nutrition didn't change. And once I elevated my level of nutrition to the, to the level of my workouts, that's when I really started seeing my body change and energy levels change. You know, I think what's interesting about being a sports nutritionist, you know, if you're a basketball coach, you don't have to be a great basketball player. You don't mm -hmm. have to practice basketball. You know, you know, Coach Few is a great coach, but he doesn't play basketball anymore. I think with our profession, with a, being a sports nutritionist, I do think you have to practice what you preach because if I'm making poor food choices and if I'm trying to help someone with their body composition and I'm not doing a good job with mine, mm -hmm. I think they're probably not gonna wanna listen to me. Yeah. And one of the things I did, this was about seven years ago, I decided, well, if I really want to help people put on weight, I got to be able to kind of walk the walk as well. And so I did a, a year-long program, and I put on another 30 pounds. And that was a little too heavy for my frame. But I, I wanted to be able to tell my athletes, hey, this is the path to do it. And look, at this is the path that I took. Mm -hmm. Because I do think it's pretty important that you walk the walk. And the, the audience can't see you, but you're a pretty fit guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that is one of those things, right, too, I think what you model people will follow um, and especially when it comes down to like choices that you make right not all of us are gifted with skills to be Michael Jordan right we can't all be born six seven with a 40 inch vertical and but we can all make choices right we can all control what we consume what our food is we can all control our work ethic right you're the perfect example of that is when people see the choices we make and they can model those choices, that's a really good way to get buy-in from people around you. So walk me through this. We have um, a, a basketball player that's going to come in and they're going to sit down and they're going to say, hey, you know, I really want to be able to put on five to 10 pounds of muscle. Mm -hmm. 
what are some of the questions you're asking them? What, what are the things that you need to know to be able to help them? So the way I always go about doing it is I'm a big believer of take somebody where they are and then kind of lead them to where they need to be. Um, so I always start with kind of asking them questions. You know, what does your day today look like? Um, so for example, we've got a guy right now who we're trying to put on about 15 pounds. Um, and so we kind of sat down the other day and I was like, yeah, just, you know, what does your, your day look like? You know, I wake up about, you know, days I don't have to be in here early. I'm up about nine. I come in and I lift at 10 and then I go get lunch and then we have practice and then I go to dinner and then I go to bed. And so the next, that week we had him just kind of track what he was eating and he came back and it was about 2,400 calories. So, I was, so we, so we sat down and we went through the math and we're like, you know, you're expending about 4,800 a day and you're consuming 2,400 a day. If we know you need to be eating more than you're expending so we can put on some weight, what are areas we can start changing of your habits? So we talked about, you know, getting up earlier and getting in breakfast, right? So that we just added 1,200 calories to his day. Uh, when can we get snacks in? Are you eating during class? What are you doing between class? Are you grabbing, you know, a protein shake out of the locker room after every lift? So we kind of start with where you're at and then build that plan around where you need to be. And so for him, it was just as simple as you just have to find more time in your day to eat. That's going to involve getting up a half an hour earlier. Um, it's going to involve making sure when you leave the locker room, you take a snack to class. So you mentioned doing some food journaling. Do you use that as a short-term tool or how do you use food journals? Depending on the kind of the type of person I work with, specifically with basketball players, especially kids who are high school, um, you know, high school age is it's a really good learning tool, right? A lot of times people just have no idea how much they're eating in a day. So usually we have for a week or two, right when we get started, people track their food. Um, and we kind of use that as a baseline and then help them change what they're doing. Most of us are creatures of habit, so what you do every day just kind of is the same. So we usually use it for the first week or two, um, and then we start to change their habits and then you know, kind of watch their progress, right? So are you, if your goal is to gain weight and we track your food and we make some adjustments and then in you know four weeks we weigh you and you haven't gained weight, then we'll start tracking food again. But if you're continuing to make progress, we'll kind of let you continue to do that and then you know probably a couple months later we'll track for a few more days and see how much are your habits changing. So we, when I work with basketball players, I usually don't have them track everything all day every day, but we use it for, for spurts um, and that's kind of how we do it. I love doing the same thing. What's really funny is whether someone wants to lose weight or gain weight, if you do a food journal without even telling them what to do, they'll change. It, they'll change, <laughs> which is amazing. I'll have athletes come in, oh, I eat a ton and I can't gain weight. And after a month, I say, well, let's do a little food journal. And I won't even give them any instructions. And after a week, they'll put on a pound just from yeah. doing what they know because a lot of times you put that tracker in and you're like, oh, man, I, I didn't realize that was only this amount of calories. I better get some more in. Yep. get their snacks in. And so... A lot of time it's just doing what they know. Yeah, and that's, what's the quote? It's something about, you know, what measures gets managed, yeah. right? So it's, it's kind of like tracking your stats on the floor is if you start measuring your free throw percentage, you're probably going to work on it. Um, if you're measuring, you know, how many rebounds you're getting in a game, you're probably going to work on it. And so if you start measuring your food intake and you realize, ooh, I am not eating breakfast every day. I'm not getting a snack in. I'm not... My pregame meal is, is not good. You're going to start making those just from tracking it. What do you do with the athlete that is kind of giving you lip service that you're kind of sensing maybe doesn't have the buy-in? Mm -hmm. Can you actually help this athlete? Because, you know, as a strength coach, 
I can actually be there and make sure they're picking up the weight, they're doing their sets and reps. Nutrition is the other 23 hours of the day when they're not with me. You know, can you really help someone that's not motivated? You know, there's, I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts on this question and it kind of depends on the week you ask me, right? What answer you'll get. But, uh, you know, a lot of it is kind of your job as a coach is, you know, not only to provide them guidance, but also to set up structure um, and set up their environment so they have to succeed, right? So that they can't, you know, kind of go and ghost you and not do what they need to do. So whether it's, you know, if you've got a player who's, can you feel like is giving you lip service and who isn't really following through, you know, kind of providing them a lot more structure, right? So you say, okay, this is when you have to get up and eat breakfast and I need you to send me pictures of your breakfast every day. Um, you know, you need to take a snack at lunch. We have a sign-in room or we have a sign-in sheet in the locker room. This is the snack you need to grab on your way out. Sign it, send me a picture. Um, so there's ways you can set up more structure in an environment for these kids really early on. Um, that kind of holds them accountable. That doesn't really let them. I kind of think about it. Uh, we got a dog last year, right? And, and one of the ways that we learn to kind of raise our dog is don't give people more freedom than they've shown you responsibility, right? And so kind of keeping them controlled early and helping them establish those habits under kind of, you know, more close structure, I think is a really good way to address that. Um, but if you, if you give people a lot of freedom without a lot of structure and they haven't shown you responsibility, they're just gonna, you know, they're gonna follow the path of least resistance. I love that. What about, you know, there's coaches listening to this, there's parents. You know, we have this high school athlete. What can we actually expect them to be, be responsible for when it comes to nutrition? What kind of things do I have to do as a parent to be able to help my kids out or as a coach to help, you know, my athlete out? Where does that kind of line begin? It kind of seems like it's blurred a little bit. Yeah. But how much responsibility should we be putting on the athletes? Yeah, you know, I would say from... I'll try to answer it from probably three perspectives. Probably starting from the player's perspective is, you know, kind of taking ownership first of your whole basketball journey, right? Your successes and failures will ultimately rely on you, right? So you've got to take ownership of your nutrition piece. Um, and the things that you can do as a high school athlete are, you know, are you, are you getting in high quality good food every day right you have control over the cho food choices you make right when you get up what are you having for breakfast are you grabbing a pop tart or are you getting you know some oatmeal and some fruit and maybe some eggs or some peanut butter right those are those are choices you have control over so one is just controlling your choices um, you know another one is are you communicating your wants and needs with your family right so if if you're a high school athlete and you want to take your nutrition importantly you know, you can, you can let your parents know. You say, hey, mom, dad, you know, this is my goal. These are my dreams. I think this is an important step for me. You know, can we make this a priority in our household? Um, and that's a really good way to, to start to make progress. Um, and then I think another thing you can do as, you know, a high school athlete is you can track your own progress, right? If it's important to you, you can track your own food. You can measure the things that matter to you. Um, so I would say those are kind of the big things. As some of the things that are out of your control, right? Um, as a high school kid, you're not doing the grocery shopping, right? So that's kind of where that communication with your parents is pretty key. Um, you know, you may not have all the cooking skills in the world, so asking for help, that kind of stuff. As a parent, uh, you know, some of the things that you can do 
to kind of help your your high school athlete is you know one kind of giving them some of the tools to succeed is engaging them with the food choices in the house right kind of asking them for their input um, taking them grocery shopping with you right letting them choose and then also kind of showing them this is how expensive food is right yeah. especially if you're a teenage boy I remember how much I ate and I don't yeah, and so those are things that you can get your kids involved in and just kind of making that a shared responsibility. Um, I find young kids, you know, 13 to 18, they actually thrive when you give them responsibility. They like having control of their kind of their future. Um, from a coach's perspective, I think coaches have a really good spot to provide objective feedback to kids, right? Is do you need to, do you need to get bigger? You know, are you is are you not excelling on the floor because you are not strong enough? Are you not excelling on the floor because you're too big and you're not quick enough? Um, do you look like you're low on energy all the time? So a coach can provide really good feedback for, you know, what the goals for that athlete should be. So I'd say those are probably how I would kind of answer that question. I love the advice for the parents because, you know, what I found is it doesn't matter how healthy or or you know, how important this meal is or this food is, if I don't like it, I'm probably going to fail in the long term. Yeah. So being able to take your high school athlete shopping and being able, being able to pick out snacks that they actually like, that they'll eat, that mm-hmm. they can pack in their backpack or put in a locker. Because one of my favorite quotes is, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Yeah. And, you know, I know how important nutrition is and I know the right foods to eat. But if I show up to work and I don't have something packed in my backpack, and all of a sudden I miss lunch, I'm gonna be I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna be in trouble. And what I found is most high school athletes, most college athletes actually aren't eating enough. Mm-hmm. And so I think those packing healthy snacks are crucial. Yeah, I think that's a huge piece. What are some good snack ideas, things that people could keep in the lockers, put in their backpack, you know, have with them that are ready and accessible? I think the the snack piece is one of those things where just having something that is, you know, well balanced and reliable, like that you will eat, is probably the most important thing, right? You can get into the really nitty gritty details of, you know, how much of each type of nutrient you should have, but something that you can take with you that's easily available um, is probably the best thing. And so things like that are, you know, having a protein shake that's kind of, you know, non-perishable is is always really good. Um, having some sort of granola bar available, something that's you know a healthy granola bar option that's you know has some some good whole grains in it, that's got some nuts and some seeds, you know, maybe some dried fruit. Those are great options, especially because you can then you know grab a shake and a bar and you're good. Um, you know, if you've got places where you can store like apples or fresh fruit that are kind of a little more perishable that you can kind of keep for a day or two and you know you can just throw in your backpack or an orange or something those are also great options so I think just keeping it simple and having things like that are are awesome right so here what we do is we we keep uh, protein shakes protein bars apples uh, PB and J's some Greek yogurt um, and trail mix and beef jerky those are kind of the go-to staples we have because they're easy to grab they're kind of mixed nutrients they've got protein they've got carbohydrates they've got fats and kids can you know take them to class take them home and they're just always there 
I love all the all your suggestions because they're more than just carbohydrate sources. Yep. And that's what I found is most people uh, have an easy time getting the carbohydrates. They have a harder time finding a healthy fat or a good protein source. So I love the, the nuts and the seeds and the bars, uh, the protein shakes, things that have more than just one energy source. So, you know, you're getting that long lasting energy. Yeah. And I think that's, that's another piece too is just having more well-rounded foods really helps. What do you think about sport drinks? Because, you know, in addition to everything that you mentioned, we have Gatorades, you know, free access all day yeah. long. Uh, what, you know, is this something that is important for, for everyone across the board or only for specific people? Yeah, you know, we, we use Gatorade very specifically. Um, we will use it during practice, right? So there's some guys who, when they, when we have long practices, you know, just having carbohydrates available early in practice kind of helps them sustain energy. So we'll use Gatorade during practice for specific guys who just kind of that two and a half hour practice just gets really draining. Um, and out of a team, we have 12, 15 guys. Is that five guys that are doing it, 10 guys that are doing yeah, it? Yeah, probably say, like three to six, um, mm -hmm. kind of in that range. So probably about you know 25 to 30% of the guys will probably drink Gatorade during practice. The rest of them are, are, will just drink water. The, other, the only other place that we will use Gatorade um, is, is kind of two. One, when we have guys who just refuse to drink water, right? And so when we come in, we'll use Gatorade to kind of just help them get in the habit of drinking water and we'll slowly phase in water for Gatorade. Kind of that, that bridge, right? Um, and the other one is when we have guys who just really need to put on weight, right? If they come in, they're, they're 6'4", 160, you know? And it's like, dude, we gotta, we gotta put 35 pounds on in the next year. Um, you know, any way we can sneak in calories, we'll be like, okay, Let's drink some Gatorade for a while instead of water. Um, those are probably the only scenarios where we have Gatorade that's not like specific to long practices or in like super hot conditions. And that, that was a huge mind shift for me because I remember being in college thinking that Gatorade was a health food. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> all my friends would go out drinking on the weekends and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do something really healthy for myself. Yeah. And I would go get like a Gatorade and drink it thinking like this is vitamin water. Yep. And I didn't realize till later on as I started learning about ingredient labels and started looking like, well, this is kind of sugar water, you know? Yeah. Um, I, and I know there's probably a lot of high school athletes or, or, or parents or coaches that think the same thing. Hey, this is something good for everyone or, or healthy. And you're saying for a specific person for a specific time. Yes. Yeah. And that's what Gatorade was designed for, right? Is the University of Florida designed it to help with hydration in heat, right? Because when you're outside and it's really hot, just drinking water is not the most efficient way to hydrate. It's with some sort of electrolytes and carbohydrates, right? So they designed it to... And when you're doing two-a-days in that 105-degree Florida humid heat, how can I hydrate my players more efficiently? And that's what it was designed for. And then it got you know, uh, marketed and, and became this big company. Um, so we use it as it was intended to be used. Do you have anyone doing Gatorade during a lifting session? Not a, a, a basketball skill session, but a lifting session. Uh, not really, um, except for the guys who are like, we just have to figure out how to get as many calories in you as we can. Um, nobody really drinks Gatorade just during a lifting session because for the most part, I mean, lifting sessions typically don't go more than 60 to 90 minutes. Um, and as long as you've had some sort of food that day, your body's fully prepared to handle a 60 to 90 minute lifting session without any sort of real intra-workout food. 
but you finish this workout, how fast do you have to get food in? You know, you hear 30, 45, uh, one hour. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest to your players as far as what kind of fuel and how soon after a workout? So there's actually been a lot of like scientific research on this question and really the true answer is that window is probably if we're talking about just about like recovery purposes you've got probably up to about two hours um, and then after two hours kind of you start to lose a little bit of the the benefit Um, that's what the research says now in practice what we really find is the sooner guys can get food in the better Um, one reason is glycogen replenishment so just restoring the fuel in your muscles is a little more efficient right after a training session right within that 30 to 60 minutes you just a you can restore it a little bit faster than if you kind of wait a long time Um, the other one is you know if you're waiting two or three hours after a workout you're also then kind of probably pushing in to the next meal. So if you've got a lift at noon um, and then you've got dinner at five, if you don't eat your post-workout until three o'clock, now you're probably not gonna be hungry for, for dinner. Um, so there's kind of the, the both pieces of that. So most guys that I deal with in basketball, I try to tell them, you know, within about 30 minutes of you know a lift or practice, I want you guys to get something in um, for, for kind of those reasons, is the scientific reasons and then the pragmatic reasons. And when you say something, anything, or are you looking like you, you want carbohydrates with some protein, or is you looking for, in a perfect world, whole foods versus liquid nutrition? So the, they've also done a lot of research on this question, and kind of the answer is, Anything is better than nothing, right? If you have the option of not eating or you know, grabbing a, a burger at McDonald's, the burger at McDonald's is better than nothing. I was hoping you'd say that this month. <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny. A, a friend of mine over at the University of Montana did a McDonald's after exercise study. Um, so that's why I use that example. Really? Yeah. What about a Red Robin? after exercise. Red Robin's probably tastier, burger. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so definitely something is better than nothing. Um, after that, the next most important thing is what is the kind of macronutrient breakdown? How, what, what amount of protein, carbohydrates, and fat are you getting? Um, and the goal there is you know, more carbohydrates and protein and a little bit less fat, right? That's kind of the ideal mix. Somewhere around the you know, one to two ratio of protein to carbs to one to four, right? So whether that looks like 20 grams of protein and 40 grams of carbohydrates or 20 grams of protein and 80 grams of carbohydrates or 40 and 80 and 40 and 160, just kind of depending on, but that's kind of the the ideal circumstance. Um, And then once you get those taken care of, then it's really food selection, right? Is how high quality is the food you're getting, how many micronutrients are in the food you're getting, and that's, that's kind of the order is something over nothing, make sure your kind of macronutrients are dialed in, and then food quality. Love it. All right, so thinking about two basketball players, one needs to put on 10 pounds of muscle, one wants to lean out, lose 10 pounds of fat. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the top one or two pieces of advice that you'd give to those two separate athletes? First, to the person that wants to gain weight, and second, to the person that wants to lose weight. So the person who wants to gain weight is you're probably gonna need to eat a lot more food than you think, especially if you're a 16 to 22 year old, right? Is 
you're, it's just going to take a lot of food to put on a lot of, of weight. Um, the, the second piece, and so with that, I would say track your food, especially if you're trying to gain weight as a basketball player, really track your food intake because it's a lot easier to undereat at that point than it is to overeat. Um, so I think a lot of guys would really benefit from tracking. Um, the other thing is, you know, be very conscious of, this is going to sound crazy, but your physical activity outside of training, right? So if you're, if you're trying to put on a lot of, you know, bot, good body weight and you're in the weight room for an hour and then you've got two hours of practice, you know, try to avoid, you know, running around all over the place. Right, because if you add an extra twelve to fifteen hundred calories of expenditure walking around and you know doing whatever, um, that's going to just make it that much more difficult. Right. So when we have guys, you know, who we're trying to put on thirty pounds in a season, it's hey, if you have to go all the way to the grocery store, like have somebody drive you, because I don't want you walking two extra miles today. Um, so, so that's another one that I think a lot of people just don't don't think about. Yeah, we're we are tracking our. Um you know, our heart rate, our total volume work that we do, our sleep with these whoop bands. Mm -hmm. And that's what's been really interesting to me is all the activity I do throughout the day that I don't count as activities. It's huge. Yeah, our business, U District's just right across the street from Gonzaga. And I go over and back a couple of times a day and depending on if I'm running late, I might be jogging over and back. Yep. And it's uh, literally a three, four minute jog. It's not a big deal. And I would, you know, if someone asked me, did he work out today? I would say, no, I didn't do anything. Yet I didn't think about all the time I was picking up, cleaning up the weight room, picking up dumbbells, jogging over the bridge. And so I think for high school athletes going to class, you know, even just messing around during in between periods, they probably have uh, a lot of activity. They don't count as activity. Yeah. And what's what really kind of got me thinking on that line is if you look at professional bodybuilders kind of during their part of the year where they're just trying to put on as much weight as possible, they go to the gym. They park as close as they can. They take every elevator. They don't get off the couch when they're not in the gym because they they realize, you know, I need to work out to cause you know some sort of growth stimulus, and then I need to just maximize my recovery. And so that's it's it's funny when you look at those guys. Um, so yeah, so that's what I would do with the weight gain person. So the guy who needs to lose 10 pounds, uh, this is really where we start to see a lot of difference between kind of real world weight loss and athletic performance weight loss, right? Is you can lose weight a lot of ways. Um, you can lose weight by just not eating. You can lose weight by just severely restricting food. You can, you know, lose weight by increasing your activity a whole lot. Um, and what I like to tell basketball players, especially who are kind of in that, I need to lose about 10 pounds is, let the work change your body. Don't try to overly restrict yourself, right? And I say that for the reason of whenever you remove food, you basically send your body one signal, right? It's, I have less energy coming in, so I'm just going to lose whatever tissue I have to adapt. Um, but when you engage in a lot of exercise, you know, whether it's basketball specific or not, you send your body a lot of adaptation signals, right? It's, I need my muscles to get bigger and stronger. I need my bones to get bigger and stronger. I mean, need my metabolism to get more robust. I need my cardiovascular system to get more robust. And so what I try to tell guys is, you know, especially when you're kind of getting into season or you're coming into a program like GU is, we're gonna add enough workload to create a calorie deficit. But I'd rather have your calorie deficit occur at, 
you know, eating 4,000 calories a day and expending 5,500 calories a day than you expending 2,500 a day and eating 1,500 a day, right? Because if you think about it, you're probably losing a pound and a half a week in both situations, but what signals is your body getting to adapt? So one player is just gonna be tired all the time because he's not eating, he's not gonna get any bigger, he's not gonna get any faster, he's not gonna get any stronger. The guy who's actually training at a high level and running at a deficit, just at a higher operating, he's gonna be totally fine. Breakfast, is it really the most important meal of the day? Yes and no, right, is you can, the actual like, you know, eating in the morning doesn't do anything magic for your body. But what it does is it sets the tone for the rest of your day, right? It kind of gets you into a habit. Um, you know, if you're waiting until noon to get your first meal in, it's going to be really hard for you to get your total daily calorie needs by eight or nine at night, right? So what it does is it kind of sets the tone for the day. It's a great opportunity to start with a good amount of energy, a lot of nutrients, um, and get that in before your day starts. The other reason it's important is, of all of the studies that have ever been done, the single most you know, effective way to have a more effective workout and get more out of it, there's no supplements, there's no, there's no drugs, is food, right? Calories before, Either a lift or practice has you perform at a much higher level than anything else you can do. So if you're trying to train at a high level and get better, having energy on board is the single most important thing you can do. So for guys who come in and have a you know an 8 a.m. lift, you can tell who's had breakfast versus who hasn't just by the way that they're getting after it. Um, and then if they have a lift and then practice, by the time practice rolls around, if they haven't eaten breakfast, it's really obvious. And you kind of mentioned before, kind of like three levels of choices. You know, we talk about breakfast before a lift in the morning or before practice. Is level one just get something in? Level two is can you get different fuel sources, protein, carbs, and fats? And mm-hmm. level three is the quality. Is that kind of what you think about? Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that's what we tell all of the guys here is step one is get something in. Um, something is much better than nothing. Step two is are you making sure it's balanced, right? Are you getting some carbohydrates, some protein, and some fats? Um, and then step three is how good were your food choices, right? Were you, did you get up and make some eggs in your room and grab a couple bananas uh, and then head in? Was it just a granola bar? Was it you just stopped and got a, a breakfast sandwich at the, at the student dining? What was your option? So that's definitely how we prioritize things. And that fits perfectly with fuel, fire, food, my yep, three exactly. levels of nutrition. And I love that because sometimes people say, oh, well, you know, Pop-Tarts are not good for you, so I'm not going to have a Pop-Tart and I'm not going to have anything at all. And then you say, well, I'd rather have you have a Pop-Tart than nothing. Mm-hmm. But now can we, you know, if you're getting the habit of being able to have a Pop-Tart or some kind of breakfast, now can we actually maybe add some protein in there? Mm-hmm. And if you're able to do that, well, maybe can we trade out and can we have a piece of fruit with maybe some nuts or some eggs or some yogurt or some other higher quality fuel sources. So I love that because sometimes we get in the habit of, well, that's bad for you, so I'm not going to eat it. But we know there's different levels of nutrition. Yep. And the reason I was asking about breakfast is we talk about what are those things that someone that wants to lean out can do? What about that person that says, well, I want to lean out and I'm not hungry in the morning. Is that okay for that person to skip breakfast or is that going to hurt their long-term goals? Is an athlete 
I would say it's more important to get breakfast than to skip it, right? We can manage calorie intake throughout the rest of the day, right? Even if it's we take your normal breakfast and make it a little bit smaller, or if we just add a little bit more work during your, during your workout, right? I'd rather have you eat breakfast and we'll get 10 extra minutes of work in here and maybe 10 extra minutes of skills work to get a little more caloric expenditure. Um, that is the far better approach than, hey, just don't eat breakfast because we're trying to get you to lose some weight. We've, we've never had a player who I've said, I want you to skip a meal because we need you to lose weight. If anything, we'll just manage your workload so that you're just going to naturally lose weight. Um, and we also make sure we never get players to the situation where it's like, hey, you need to lose 10 pounds in two weeks. We've always thought ahead and guys are always ready on game day. I love it. This is so really, it's really helpful, which is funny because I'm a sports nutritionist. And the reason I ask you these questions is because some of them I wanted to know your answer. Yeah. And so <laughs> as you're speaking, I'm like, oh, I love how simple you made that. So this is great. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find out more about you? Yeah, you can find me. Uh, I've got a website where I, I write a, about a lot of these nutrition topics. It's uh, Science Driven Nutrition because uh, I'm a nutrition scientist by training. And then we have a coaching company where we work with kind of everyday people. Um, so I kind of have my athletic coaching um, that I do, you know, uh, here at Gonzaga and with some of the Special Forces guys. And then we have a kind of a general population coaching company. It's called Macros Incorporated. Um, so we focus on macronutrient coaching. Um, and that's just macrosinc.net. Awesome. I'll put those in the show notes. And once again, thank you so much for all your time. Love seeing you. Love learning from you. Yeah, man. It's been a blast. And uh, I owe you a big thank you for pretty much my whole career. So it's been awesome and uh, nice to be back. We've, uh, we've been through the trenches 10 plus years, <laughs> man. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Great to have you here. All right. Take care, buddy. Now that's a wrap on episode three. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation and discovering that basketball nutrition doesn't have to be that complicated. It's really cool to see how Brad uses the three levels of nutrition, fuel, fire, and food, to help his athletes get better. And even though he uses different language, it's really the same idea, which is the amount of food is really important. And then level two, making sure that you have protein, carbs, and fats in the right amounts at the right time. And then the highest form of nutrition, whole foods, making sure that that quality of food is really important. And if you enjoyed today's talk on nutrition, join us next week where I'm going to go through the three levels of basketball training, drive, defend, and dominate, and break down how I see basketball strength conditioning. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, tell a friend and even give us a rating. It would really help out. And until next time, earn your X. Yeah.